ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of 28 Days Ladier. I wanted to say hello to my lovely guest host, Hannah. Hello. And as you all know, or maybe don't, I'm Sophie. Uh, we're here at, with you every week to uh, talk brunch stuff and gossip and horror movies. So let's get started. Hannah, tell me about the brunch that you had this weekend. Um, so, not to sound like a broken record, but I had another new experience with a Bloody Mary um, at a place in Wicker Park in Chicago called Canela Cafe, and uh, it was pretty solid. It had, like, I'm, I think when it comes to uh, Bloody Marys, I care almost more about the makeup of the skewer than I do about the taste of the Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a very impressive skewer with, like, a massive block of cheese I like I don't even want to say just like a cube of cheese because it was gigantic this is wait I want to pause for a second that's a kind of an interesting take like I would wager that not very many people are more concerned with the skewer than the drink not that the skewer is unimportant but I would be interested to hear what listeners think if they come down a skewer mix yeah because like I so I I made a mistake a rookie mistake and when they asked me if I wanted spicy or mild. I said mild. And then it was just, like, so mild that I knew I should have gone for spicy. Mm. Um, so, like, the taste of it was actually very mild. Um, but I was... But then, like, the skewer was so solidly stacked that I ended up really enjoying the Bloody Mary anyway. Um, but, yeah, it had, like, a little grilled cheese on it. A tiny grilled cheese sandwich. What? On yeah. the skewer? On the skewer. Tiny All grilled right. cheese sandwich on the skewer. Um, a block of, like, pepper jack cheese, some olives, of course, pickle, um, and then it also came with a beer back, so I was pretty happy about it. But then, um, as is the case with multiple restaurants in Chicago, I had an issue later on with my leftovers, and now I hate this restaurant forever. Oh, no. I imagine that you were in some kind of tummy distress is what you're talking about? No, I just uh, spilled it all over myself. It's really not the restaurant's fault at all, but I hate them and I will never return. (laughs) So uh, that was your first and last tiny grilled cheese on a skewer. Yeah. Well, like, I used to say that, too, about Furious Spoon in Chicago. First time I ever went, like, I got... You know, for your spoon is like massive ramen bowls, and I got this like huge thing of ramen. And I only ate like half of it, so I put it in a, or asked them to like box it up for me to go, and then I tried to take it to work the next day, and it of course, in- emptied out in its entirety in my backpack without me noticing. Oh, gross! So it was like yeah, like hot fish water in my backpack all over my stuff. So this morning I. uh was going to work on Monday morning, which is, you know, never fun. And uh, I was carrying, like, my extra bag, and I had this, like, leftovers in a little box in there. And it was, like, uh, so it was, like, um, what was it? It, it? it involved an over-easy egg. Uh. So as I was about to step onto the train... This morning, I realized that the egg had completely exploded and was not only leaking inside my bag, but had bled through the bottom of the bag and was all over my pants. Oh. From one egg. Oh, 
Oh no. Okay. Well, that so is So my uh, brunch my like brunch uh experience turned into a brunch nightmare. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty tough. Well, you know, I feel like that's kind of a great segue for our uh, or a great description for our podcast. Like I guess we're sort of like a perpetual brunch nightmare. So <laughs> that's kind of great. Um I uh unfortunately uh, did not get to do anything fun at all this weekend. Um, I had a really crazy work week, so I travel a lot for my job. And I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then I was in Columbus, Ohio, Friday, Saturday. I got back to Kansas City Saturday afternoon, drove out to St. Louis, spent Sunday at the prison, and then drove back this morning. So um, I worked all weekend and did not get to have any kind of brunch or really breakfast ate a lot of like protein bars and stuff really not great um but i did have a delightful story to tell you uh about my time on the road so when i was in cincinnati uh, (laughs) at the same fateful bloody good horror podcast meetup where hannah and i settled on this uh podcast idea i talked to the lovely people of the night of the living podcast crew Um, who hail from Cincinnati. And Andy was telling me, um, because I spend a fair amount of time in Cincinnati for work, a bunch of places that I should try. And one of the places he told me is called the Overlook Lodge, and it is a Shining-themed bar. Cool. This was my first trip back to Cincinnati since talking to Andy, and I had just, not only did I just in the last month rewatch Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, but I uh, saw the Shining miniseries and also saw Dr. Sleep. So I was super excited to try this place. Um, so Thursday, I was seeing witnesses all day. And then I was going to have to drive from Cincinnati to Columbus, which is about two hours. But it just so happened that the Overlook was on my way out of town, leaving Cincinnati. So all day, I have decided this is where I'm going to go for dinner, have, a, have maybe a beer, and then drive to Columbus and go to bed. So I finish up my second interview around six o'clock. I am so excited to go to this bar. It's only about 10 minutes away from where I was interviewing. Mm, I see problems. <laughs> so as I'm driving over, I, uh, I remember as a person who has just turned 30 and doesn't really go out that often anymore, that it is in fact a Thursday night and that this place might be kind of busy. Um, and because I'm a person who struggles with anxiety and a particular anxiety of mine is eating in restaurants alone, um, I was feeling a little bit nervous about it. Now, obviously, I travel a lot for work, so I eat alone a lot. Um, but the idea of sort of like, well, I don't know if it's a brag, but <laughs> the idea of sort of like eating I'm alone. I'm very in a comfortable r- in solitude when I eat. Oh, I didn't <laughs> say I was comfortable. I just said I do it. Um, so I was... Uh, I was really apprehensive about eating alone in a very crowded bar on a Thursday night, but I figured, like, I've been looking forward to this all day. I'm really excited to get to tell Andy that I tried it. You know, the client that I was seeing on Friday really likes horror movies, and he's from Cincinnati, so I thought it'd be fun to tell him about it. So anyway, I figure, like, just lady up, Sophie, we're going to do it. So I get into this little area outside Cincinnati where – where this bar is located and it's there's a little strip of all kinds of little bars and restaurants it looks like it's relatively busy but you know i find myself a a spot park my car no big deal super excited i start walking to the bar and as i approach the door of the bar i see a sign in the window that says that it is a miracle bar now are you familiar with miracle hannah Uh uh-uh okay so miracle is a franchise that you can as far as i understand you can contract with them they do like christmas pop-up bars so 
they'll come like take over a bar for the month of December and they have their own signature cocktails. It's it's the one that you and I went to in Springfield a couple years ago that our friend Danielle oh, yeah, was. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like a miracle pop-up. Um, the one with the dead reindeer hemorrhaging Christmas lights all over the floor? Yes. Very on brand for our podcast. Um, <laughs> so I figured, okay, obviously a Christmas-themed, Shining-themed horror bar is not really what I had in mind, but I drove all the way here. I'm going to give it a shot. So in that split second, I decide to just go for it. I walk into the bar. Um, it's a pretty small establishment. It is very crowded Uh um and a waiter is standing by the door so i ask him if i should just seat myself and he says yes i look around and hannah um the only table that's open is sort of in a corner in the front corner of the bar and it's like i wouldn't say it's on a stage but it is raised (laughs) up on a platform that's a good foot uh, a foot off the ground Oh, no. Um, and there's, like, a weird light above it. So it's, it's like, again, it's not a stage and it's not a spotlight, but it is uh, qualitatively different from every other table in the bar. <laughs> uh, but but, but I, uh, uh, there's nowhere else for me to go. So I sit there. It is a um, nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So I sit down, and as though I'm in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, every other person in the bar turns around and looks at me and just kind of like all stares at me blankly and then continues going about their business. So I immediately start to panic and I am saying repeatedly in my head, this was a huge mistake. And I figure, okay, I just need to like, you know, knuckle up. It's going to be fine. If I just like sit here for a minute, I'll order a drink and a little plate of food and I'll get out of here. But I'm looking around, no one is eating. Um, I'm not certain that there is food at this place. I probably sat at the table for five minutes, although it felt like I was there for seven years. Um, the waiter never came over. It became clear that maybe I needed to go to the bar to order, but I wasn't sure. And at this point I was just like trying hard not to freak the fuck out. Yeah. If I were (laughs) you, once I, like once no one approached me, I would just be like, uh, oh, okay. Now I'm stuck here forever. And I live at this table now. Yeah, so that's what I again. So that's what I thought, and then what I did is I picked up my phone and looked at it as though I got a notification, which I did not. Answered it and kind of loudly went, "Hello, wait, I can't hear you. Are you okay?" And walked hurriedly out of the bar. Um, the bartender who had spoken to me when I came in opened the door for me as I left, and once I got outside, I just put my phone in my pocket and walked cli- quietly to my car. Um, so I drove to Columbus and went to my favorite taco place in Columbus to have dinner. Um, so all in all, it worked out just fine. I still got to tell my client about it on Friday, and he uh, he cried laughing at me. So I guess it's maybe it even better It was still worth way. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And I got to go to uh, my favorite taco place, so shout out to local cantina uh, in Columbus, which I can verify has a delightful brunch. I, of course, was eating dinner on a Thursday, but their brunch is also good. So. <laughs> I brought it all the way back around. I feel <laughs> you're killing it with the segues. Boom. Um, I feel like the fact that you like it really set knowing you it really says something. If you were so panicked that you like acted, I drew public. attention to myself on purpose. Yes. <laughs> like you, but in the best. That was a, that was pretty clever, honestly. That's a good way to get out of it. Yeah, uh, it worked. People looked concerned. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they were all like, "Oh, uh, 
I hope that everyone that she knows is okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were talking about it for the rest of the day, like, oh, man, I wonder what happened with that girl. Like, what was that phone call she got? <laughs> I went to, like, wasn't a brunch thing, but um, I went on Sunday. It was, like, my friend was going to go watch football with some of his friends. So mm-hmm. he asked if I wanted to go along. And when we got there, they were, like, at this, like, really big table. And the place was really crowded because I guess it's this place called um, Jake Melnick's in, uh, in like, uh, uh-oh. I'm not sure if it's River North or Gold Coast, but it's, like, downtown. Mm-hmm. And um, so we get there, and there's, like, really, really crowded. There's people everywhere. They're sitting at this massive table. And um, when we got there, there was, like, two seats, but they were – two seats open, but they were not – together like they were separated by two two women mm-hmm. in between the two seats so like our friend brent who i've met before he says like oh you should go ask them if they can scoot down one so you guys can squeeze on the end now you know to my eye seeing a group of people all sitting at a table together i assumed like everyone knew each other mm-hmm. so i went over and asked if they would mind scooting down and they were basically like are you fucking kidding me? Who the fuck do you think you are? Wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, uh, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that, that that other chair is being saved for someone, and I don't want to move. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> but again, I thought, like, they knew we were coming. It's weird that now we're here and they don't want to move over. Right. So then I, I kind of got so freaked out, I just went and, like, hid behind my friend because I was like, I don't know what to do. And they start um, yelling at a different guy that we're with, being like, what the fuck is your problem? Why are you making this into such a big deal? Why do we have to move for your friends? Like, we've been here for an hour. We don't want to move. It was crazy. And at one point, the woman literally goes, the guy goes, he goes, like, this guy who was with us is like, it's really not you know it's not that serious if you don't want to move we'll figure something else out we'll bring over another chair right like it doesn't have to be a big deal this is just brunch we don't need to be yelling it wasn't even it's like it was later than brunch so it was like calm down it's sunday afternoon and the woman is like stop acting like a little bitch and like don't talk to me don't tell me what to do to you no, 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 to this guy. This guy, Chris, who's, like, a six-foot-four massive dude. Wow. And she's like, stop being a bitch. Don't tell me what to do. And then once we finally get, like, the waiter just, like, brought over another chair, and we just, like, squeezed on the end. And then it was super awkward because I was sitting right next to them. And at one point, I was like, so what's the deal? Like, why are they so mad? Like, were they fighting before we got here? And it was like, oh, we don't know them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So it turned out that because it was so crowded, they were just, like, seating people at this, like, big table, even if they weren't there together. together. Right. So then I had to sit there next to these women who I could also hear talking about me. Right. um, Because they said that my my outfit that I was wearing, which was a sweatsuit of uh, white... White matching sweatsuit top and bottom that has just, like, snowman faces all over it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were like, she looks stupid. Like, who even wears snowmen like wah, wah, wah. and then before they left they like tapped me on the shoulder and they were basically like hey we just wanted you wanted to make sure that you didn't think we were mean <laughs> it's like yeah well i did i was like um 
<laughs> I had the, uh, speaking of just people being terrible, I had the experience recently when Jeremy and I went to see Knives Out. We went to the Alamo here in Kansas City. And for anyone who has not been to an Alamo draft house, they, um, it's a quiet movie watching environment. They're super intense about, they show a video at the beginning of every movie saying that you're not allowed to talk or text or they don't let you come in late. If, if the, if the credits are, sorry, the trailers are done, they will not let you into the theater. If you get to the theater, even if you bought a ticket ahead of time, Yeah, they're very serious about that. And so these people that were sitting next to Jeremy and I showed up like right as the, um, trailers were ending they got there right when it's like okay now everyone has to be quiet like you can't talk in the theater they they're so if i mean hannah you've been to alamo with us it's really intense it's yeah, like especially for a, someone who chronically speaks in movie theaters yeah there's a loud bass and this guy is like absolutely no talking if you have a problem with a loud table we will ask them to leave after giving them one warning so the people next to jeremy and i ke- were kept talking and they were clearly intoxicated, and they're, they were talking louder and louder at some point, like, as Uh-oh. the movie goes on. And if you have not seen Knives Out, I won't give any spoilers, but it's, like, a whodunit. And the woman next to me, it's me and then the boy and the, I assume, like, husband or boyfriend and then the girl. Yeah. And she's the one primarily who's super loud. And at one point, she's like, oh, it was that person. It was that, the whole, she's just, like, the whole time. It's just, so at one point, I leaned over and said, can you guys please be quiet? And the, they both just looked at me super indignant and were like, <laughs> and then they kept talking. So I tapped them on the shoulder. I said, excuse me, can you please be quiet? And they just like looked at me and rolled their eyes and then talked for the rest of the thing. Uh. But what had happened is I, I was too nice and I waited too long. So by the time I got fed up and asked them to be quiet, the waiters had dropped the checks already, which means like the waiters aren't really coming back in, but there's still like 25 minutes of movie left. Mm. So they proceeded to talk super loudly about me for the rest of the movie. Um, uh. It was not fun. So people should just not be buttholes. Yeah. I mean, you were with me that one time. We went to the movie theater where this guy was sitting in my seat and I simply was like, oh, you're in my seat. And then he, he was like, oh, yeah. And as he got up to move, our other friend asked me like, oh, is everything okay? I said, very quietly, during the previews, yeah, like, movie had not started. I said, oh, yeah, he just was sitting in my seat, but he's going to move. And when I sit down, this, like, grown man leans in super close to me, and he is like, if you're going to sit next to me, you better shut the fuck up or this is not going to work. Yeah, so, uh... And we're all just trash. like, oh! Yeah. So aggressive! It was so intense. Um, goodness. Well... Speaking of things that are intense. Joke's on him, though, because I fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Hannah, you stepped right on my segue. So now we're going to talk about uh, the movie that we're doing this week. Womp, womp. So (laughs) some of you may remember that uh, when we did the podcast last week, Hannah gave this very impassioned speech about homework and how you have to do your homework, and it's very important. Now... Uh, some of you might then be horrified to know that uh, we watched a different movie. So uh, if you did watch Sweetheart, which is what we were going to talk about, you're great. And please come talk to me about it on Twitter because I think it's a delightful movie. We are actually going to be talking, though, about the movie Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, so this was my pick. So I'll give you guys a little bit of background. Anna and the Apocalypse is a Scottish movie that came out in 2017. It premiered at Fantastic Fest in 2017. Um, it is a uh, Christmas zombie 
mm-hmm. musical mm-hmm. comedy from Scotland. Um, so for a little bit of background, this movie is about a girl named Anna and several of her friends who are sort of in their senior year of high school and they are all sort of fed up and struggling with different things like I'm sure we can all relate to from our times in high school. Um, and it's around Christmas time and everything sort of all of their particular struggles and conflicts are sort of coming to a head at the same time that a zombie outbreak uh, sort of explodes across their small town of Little Haven, which uh, the movie was shot in Glasgow. Um, but so we get this sort of um, we get this sort of movie where these groups of this group of teenagers is trying to um, get to the school because several of their friends and some of their parents got stuck at the school um, during a Christmas uh Pageant or I don't know talent show. Talent it's really show, unclear. I guess is more yeah. On point. Um. So it's just th- this group of kids trying to make their way through a town that is now f- overrun by zombies, uh, and also there is music going on. So, um, just for like for what it's worth, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil my opinion on this movie right now. Um, I loved this movie, and when I wrote, it got wide released in the U.S. in 2018. When I did my top 10 list of horror movies for 2018 for BGH, this was number seven. Um, So this beat out such movies as The New Suspiria, A Quiet Place, and a movie called The Cold Hell, which uh, I am sure that people have not seen. Um, uh, I know. We're going to get there. This movie was directed by John (laughs) McPhail and written by Alan McDonald and Ryan McHenry. now, Hannah, you had a, a, a differing opinion to me. So why don't we talk a little bit about what you thought of the movie? Okay, so first of all, um, don't take this too harsh, but I fell asleep twice watching this movie. So I had to watch it three separate times to watch it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, uh... That wasn't a great way to watch the movie. Um, that's totally fair. Um, but I couldn't help it because personally I thought that it was, like, really boring. <laughs> okay. Tell me more about that. Um, so I did actually really like some of the songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I there's the one song that they did where they both have their headphones on and they don't realize that a zombie up, like apocalypse has begun around them. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. Um, but, like, I guess maybe because, like, I liked the musical part of it. I thought a lot of the music was actually really catchy. Yeah. Um, and fun. But it was just, like, the stakes were, to me, so low that it wasn't, like, that enjoyable for me. Like, I didn't really care enough about any of the characters. Mm, okay. I didn't really, so I didn't really care who lived or who died. I didn't really, like, feel connected to the relationships. Because... Like, I felt like the, because the movie had so much going on already, like, just in the description of it's, like, it's a zombie movie and a musical and it's Christmas and it's Scottish. Like, there's a lot of, like, kitschy elements already. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they left the, they kept the plot pretty bare bones. Yeah. Um, which I think was smart, but, because it, you know, it would have been, it could have been, like, way too much uh, packed into one movie. But it was almost just, like, a little bit too bare bones for me. Like, there wasn't hmm. enough for me to really, like, grasp onto. Yeah. 
So this is going to be our first episode, obviously, where we're disagreeing about the movie, um, which I'm kind of excited about. So I'm scared. Yeah, like, so I don't think you should be scared. I'm kind of excited to have a conversation about this because uh, t- let's just go from your your kind of first commentary about their their sort of being both too much and maybe not enough kind of going on plot wise. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked about this movie. So I um, just rewatched this movie today. I had only seen it the, the one time before. And, you know, it's always interesting to watch a movie with an eye to talk about it, whether you're going to be reviewing it or talking about it on a podcast or just, you know, a friend says, hey, watch this movie because I want to talk to you about it. Um, I think, at least for me, I pay attention more to stuff that I would have missed before because I'm, I'm trying to find things that would be interesting to talk about. And one thing that I really appreciated about this movie, watching it this time uh, through the eye of knowing we were going to speak about it on the show I really liked that we have a relatively big cast. I mean, because this movie has a pretty high body count. Mm -hmm. We lose a lot of our main characters. Yeah. Um, And I think they do a really good job of sort of setting up each character's uh, sort of like emotional state and motivation in the first 10 minutes. And I agree that with a lot of those characters, it's not because we have so many. It's none of their plots are huge. Right. So we have Anna who um, is an only child. Her mother has passed away. There's some strain between her and her dad. And she is planning to uh, defer going to school so that she can travel. And at the very opening of the movie, her dad finds out about this and is very upset. Right. So we have that going on. She has this best friend, John, who has feelings for her and has not told her and doesn't want her to leave. Um, And then... So you have there probably our three of our main characters, and within the first three minutes, we kind of know a lot about their dynamic. We have these other two friends, um, Chris and I think the girl's name is Lisa, who are a couple. Um, and then I'm not going to remember the blonde girl's name. She was I think she's really good. Um, oh, shoot. I thought she was like, like a, just a void. <laughs> The person that Hannah thinks was a void is... Sarah Swire. Steph. Steph. Her character name is Steph. Yeah. So Steph is an American student whose parents um Yeah, but moved. do we know if she's actually American? Because I don't believe she was. I think she was... Well, her character is accent. supposed to be American. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so What she's I'm saying is it wasn't very believable. So she's supposed to be an American student whose parents moved her to Scotland and then they leave to go to Mexico for Christmas and don't take her. Um, and she has a girlfriend who also does not want to spend Christmas with her. So she's going to be by herself. Um, and then we have this guy who's sort of who, Nick, who's sort of like the popular guy in school who seems like quite right. a D bag. And we know that he and Anna slept together, but we don't really know the circumstances. So in the first 10 minutes, we know all of that stuff. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, I guess I had a very different reaction to this movie. Like I, I connected with more of the characters. Uh, like I was very invested, particularly in Anna and in John. Although I have some qualms about their whole storyline that we should definitely talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I think I appreciate that this movie try at least tries to do the work of setting up this cast of characters that regardless of how attached you are to each of them, at least you know who they all are so that it's not just when we're watching people get killed by zombies 
for the most part. Like we know who they are, um, and we we know who cares about them and who's going to be hurt by the fact that they're dying. Yeah, um, which I liked. Yeah, I guess like. I mean, it's a short, pretty short movie, too, so... And to me, it just felt like it was just kind of, like, moving right along, and I didn't have enough to grab onto to get that invested, unfortunately. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. It's kind of funny, actually, And they also set some stuff up that I felt like they made a point, like, in particular, during the Christmas talent show, when Lisa does her song, and her boyfriend is not there Mm -hmm. they like make a point to show that she's really sad he didn't come um but you know then the apocalypse starts and it's like that never gets revisited or you know that doesn't really there's no payoff or anything well he talks about what the next scene that we see him in he talks about getting stuck where were they the bowling alley Mm -hmm. and he talks about how like he missed Lisa's song and he felt bad that he missed her song. Like then when I guess you mean like when they see each other they don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean so I guess but at that like, point why like include sh- that if it was just like not really gonna go anywhere. Well, because I think it did go somewhere because we needed to have a reason for. I don't care if the world knows that we just had to stop because I was ripping a face mask off. And it was so loud that Sophie had to take her headphones out. Yeah, not only did I tell Hannah we had to stop recording, I had to take my headphones out because it was like, I told her it was like reverse ASMR. It was, uh, I could just like hear every black head coming out of her pores. So anyway. great. You know what? I don't regret a thing. I feel revitalized and ready to talk about this movie. Yeah, well, let's try to talk about something that we agree about because uh, it sounds like, what. well, let's talk about what your favorite song was. Mm. Um, my favorite song was um, Lisa's uh, super sexual Santa song at the Christmas <laughs> Town show. Uh, that's also Jeremy's favorite song in this movie. Literally, w- so we just saw this in theaters last Christmas. And as soon as we got out of the movie, Jeremy added that song to his Christmas playlist. Yeah. Uh, and then he promptly forgot about it. So we were decorating our Christmas tree a couple weeks ago and it came on and Jeremy was so excited because he had forgotten about it. Uh, um, I love that one. That one was so fun. It's great because I think, I don't know if you had this experience because, but I like watching the movie the first time, um, that song, when it starts, it is so dirty and I was just like, oh wow. So this movie is really just kind of going for it in every kind of weird way. Um, and I would agree that this is not a perfect movie. There, there are, even within the songs, I mean, I listen to this soundtrack on Spotify quite a lot. Oh really? Um, yeah, uh, when I was watching it today, I know all the words to most of the songs. Wow, um, wow, wow. Yeah, but there are a couple songs I don't like. I really don't like... It's a real doozy of a... This is a real doozy of a movie for us to disagree on then. Yeah, I mean, but it's... I don't... I, like, I, I understand that it's not for everybody. First of all, musicals are not for everyone. Um, Although I and, normally love a musical. Yeah, but uh, the Penguin song is not a favorite of mine. Um... Mm. I was really torn picking a favorite song because I do really like several songs in this movie. I think my favorite song, I'm going to say I'm tied, but second place or very close second place is probably uh, Hollywood Ending, the song that they're all singing about their, like, weird uh, relationship stuff in the uh, cafeteria. Just because I think that the, the... 
choreography of that scene is really fun. Um, and that song is very catchy and sort of, it's just everyone you have, uh, John starts the song, right. Singing about how the nice guy doesn't always get the girl. And then mm-hmm. you have Anna singing kind of about how the way that relationships work in high school is so like boring and exhausting. And she doesn't really have any interest in the way that people kind of gossip and treat each other poorly. Yeah. And then you have Lisa and Chris just like off in La La Land singing about how they're going to be together forever, which feels very intentionally kind of like silly and, you know, kind of like mocking, mocking, lovingly mocking the sort of uh, just really big emotions when you're in high school. Um, But my favorite song in the movie that you mentioned earlier is Turning My Life Around, which is the one where they're both walking to school wearing headphones. And it it feels very Shaun of the Dead-esque. Like that has to be, I would imagine, an intentional homage. Um, Because it reminds me a lot of the scene where Shaun kind of gets up and stumbles super hungover to the store um, and there's zombies everywhere and he kind of is missing it. So you have Anna walks out of her house and there's like a huge plume of smoke behind her and her neighbors are running out of the house being yeah. chased by uh, a zombie. And then a guy jumps out a window and it's, that was pretty funny. I have to say when the yeah. dude fell out of the window, like right next to her. Cause she, she says, no one's going to bring me down. And at the se- a moment that she hits that note, like a guy slams into the ground next to yeah. her. Um, and it, all of this, to me, is made more delightful by the fact that she's just, like, really giddily, like, dancing through the streets. Like, and yeah. I found, I find her very charming. I think, I really like her voice, but I also find that in the scenes where they have her dance, mm-hmm. uh, she's not doing anything particularly, like, impressive, but it just all feels very light and joyful and silly, That and I really enjoy it. Like, the kind of way that she, she has a lot of, like, hopping around and, like, bobbing her knees in and stuff. Um, yeah. That just feels really infectious. And at the same time, John has told her that he will, um, you know, hike across the outback with her in Australia. And he's going to start running to school to get in shape. So he is jogging to school in, like, jeans and a sweatshirt. He's going to be so sweaty. Um, And at one point he trips. And we presume, because we know that the zombie apocalypse has happened, that he's tripped over, like, a body or something. But he just, like, keeps up and keeps, like, gets up and keeps going. Yeah. and then they meet in a cemetery, and that is when they discover that uh, that zombies are happening. So, um, so that's kind of great. And I actually uh, wanted to share with you one piece of trivia because I thought you'd appreciate this. Um, so at one at one point, Chris tells them. Uh, so Anna and John work at the local bowling alley. They try to go back there to see if they can access the internet because phone reception is out, and they want to see if their families are okay. So. They go to the bowling alley. When they get there, um, I already forgot her name. What's the Steph and Chris are there because they had sort of been out filming stuff when the zombie outbreak happened and they ran into the bowling alley because it was open and they've been hiding there all night. Mm-hmm. So they're very happy to know that they're, uh, that some of their friends are safe. And Chris is sort of on the internet um, and he tells them to search hashtag evac selfie. And it's all these people taking selfies as they're being evacuated from the zombie apocalypse. Um, one of the pieces of trivia on IMDb is that one of the people, uh, who posted an evac selfie is named Ash Campbell after I saw that. Ashley Williams and Bruce Campbell. So character and actor for those of you who are not huge evil dead fans, but yeah. Hannah and I both really love that franchise. Yeah. Um, I did so like that. I thought you'd like that. And I sort of love the conversation that happens. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this when Chris and John are sitting in this like big inflatable kiddie pool full of plastic balls talking about what celebrities they think might be zombies. Yeah. 
that conversation, uh, I think, really rides the line between being charming and just kind of stupid and feeling fake. And I think it, I think it, I'm sure that for some people it doesn't work, but I found it very charming when, like, they're talking about whether or not Robert Downey Jr. might be a zombie. Mm -hmm. And then Chris says, what about Taylor Swift? And John goes, how dare you? Tay-Tay's fine. Yeah. He's like, no, I, no, Tay-Tay's fine. (laughs) Um, and of course that, uh, that kiddie pool features later when they use it to escape the bowling alley and they're all walking under it like a giant turtle, which I really, really enjoyed. Yes. That Um, I did think was clever as well. Yeah. Although like, you know, the, the one woman gets like, or then Chris has someone like peeing on her head. Steph. Yeah. Steph. Yeah. Yeah, um, and an elderly like, do zombies, zombie. Do the zombies <laughs> pee and poop? I don't know. It's a great question. It's a question I never really asked myself and don't know, you know, if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I think probably your mileage will vary. For me, I feel like this movie is able to, you have some pretty big shifts in tone because obviously we have these songs that are super upbeat and then we have some very comedic moments and we have some moments that are at least intended to be scary or tense or sad. Yeah. Um, it sounds like those probably didn't work quite as much for you. Um, for me, a lot of those shifts work really well. Um, and and at least on my end, like the pacing works in such a way that uh, they move along quickly enough that it feels like you can never really settle into one particular tone. So none of those shifts feel that jarring. So that's interesting. Like for you, those shifts were like the way that it kept moving kind of worked well for you. Yeah, it, it felt fluid. She didn't get me. like bogged down at all. Right. Okay. That's interesting cuz my reading of it was like quite, yeah, like I said it's quite different. Like I was like struggling to like to grasp on to anyone. Yeah. Uh, did you have a favorite kill? Because this movie has some pretty awesome practical effects in it. I mean, there's also quite a bit of CGI blood, but um, there's some great practical stuff, and the zombie makeup is really good, I think. Yeah, I thought this. I thought that um, I was impressed with the fact that I think it was pretty clear that it's, like, not a super big-budget movie, mm-hmm. um, but that they did a really good job with what they had. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the bites and stuff were were really good, um, although I was sort of surprised, like, how many people did get, how many of the main characters did get bit and were, like, R.I.P. Um, yeah. I thought almost every time somebody got bit for me was really sad because you had, like you were saying, we have so many characters that they don't, we don't see them die, we just see them get bit and we have to watch them sort of realize that, yeah. you know, that's kind of the end of it, but... Um, but yeah, so I want to know if you had a, a a zombie killing scene that you especially enjoyed because there are some pretty bananas ones, especially. Although in would the that middle. be the would that be zombies killing a person or a person killing a zombie? People killing a zombie. Hmm. Um. Well, I liked the fact that the zombies watched got really distracted by the TV. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, that was funny that they were just kind of, like, crawling around the floor, trying not to get noticed. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the zombie kills were just people getting, like, 
stabbed in the head with like screwdrivers and a candy cane spike. Yeah, I think that's true towards the third act of the movie. I think in the second act when we first when we're first encountering zombies, we get like a couple I wrote down several in quick succession that were really cool, but then I think they do all kind of get similar. Yeah, I like the one where they cut the head off, but then the head was just still on the ground going like So that was the snowman, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So that one was w- uh, definitely one of my favorites because it's a guy. That's the first zombie that Anna and John see, and it's yeah. a guy in a snowman suit. And Anna, he's like laying on the ground, and Anna initially like goes over to help him, and she's basically like, "Hello, I'm medically trained. Like I'm gonna roll you over." And then she rolls him over, and he's like, Rah! "Yeah." And she uh, she doesn't just cut his head off; she knocks his head off with a seesaw. Oh, right, right, right. She, like, stomps on the end. She uses John as bait, stomps on the end of a seesaw, and, like, the guy's head goes flying, and a geyser of blood comes out. Yes. Um, Which I really liked. My favorite one is when they get to the bowling alley and zombies get in, John smashes a bald zombie's head between two bowling balls, and his head just kind of, like, explodes. Yeah. Um, And that one's all practical effects. The the snowman, the blood geyser definitely looks like CGI. The... Um, zombie who also gets decapitated at the bowling alley and then his head rolls out of the ball return was also pretty funny. Pretty great. Um, So I want to talk really quick because I think we'd be remiss to not address this a little bit because of uh, the very nature of our podcast. So we have some kind of interesting uh, gender dynamics going on here and I wanted to talk about them. So I want to talk. I knew this would, I knew this would come. Yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's start, because I think this is an easy one to start with. Like, let's start with Nick, who is the guy who's sort of the, like, jock, jerky jock guy. Um, so we find out that he and Anna had slept together at some point, um, and she they, ha- they had a falling out. She's upset with him. He thinks it's because people found out they slept together, and she is she tells him towards the end that what she's upset about is not, she doesn't care if people know they slept together. It's just that, you know, they had, like, they became very emotionally intimate and vulnerable with each other. And then that didn't matter. And that's the part that was hard for her. Right. Um, but I feel like throughout this, uh, movie for, for most of its runtime, he's like a pretty, pretty clear poster child for toxic masculinity. Yes. Um, and I guess at this point talking about some of these characters, we're going to get into spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie and you care about that stuff and you like, I would recommend it. I think it's fun. Um, I, I mean, I would too. Like, I think it's fun. Yeah. So I'd say, like, it's it's worth it's worth a watch. Yeah, so maybe skip ahead uh, or go watch it and come back to this later. But but I feel like, for me personally, I was or like, a little... Honestly, I would just watch, like, the first half. <laughs> I like the then first half. Then you can skip all this I didn't part. really care that much about how it ended for everybody. That's that's fine. Um, <laughs> and that's actually kind of interesting that you... Because I, I could see that. I think the music is better in the first half, too. And then I think it kind of, yeah. like... But understandably, it's harder to keep the music at the same level when like everything is getting a lot more serious. But, uh, but how did you feel about Nick's storyline? Cause ultimately like he's one of the people that survives the movie and kind of gets to be, uh, I wouldn't say that he's a hero. Cause like Anna for the most part saves herself. Yeah. But, but I don't, I, I don't know. What did I you was think of that whole shocked that I was shocked that he was one of the survivors at the end. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure he was going to get, like, he would get murked by a zombie where it would be, like, a zombie would, like, take him down by, like, biting his dick off or something. Like, I thought that he was going to get his comeuppets in a way that was more, like, fitting of 
his character, which we had pretty much been, had been pretty one-dimensional, like, just total dickhole. Yeah, and, like, super homophobic and misogynist and rude. Yeah. Um, and also, like, you know, even if it's, I mean, this might not seem that's that serious, but I feel like the, a combination of a character that's like that, that is, like, openly homophobic and openly misogynist, when even, like, he does stuff where he, like, draws on the other guy's face, and so to me it's also, like, it's just, like, a dude who has no, um, awareness or appreciation for, like, people's personal space. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, to me, I'm, like, oh, if he'll, like, write on some dude's face, he'll probably, like, grab a girl's butt, or, like, mm. you know, it's just, like, there's, like, there's no, uh, he doesn't care about people's, like, comfort level, obviously. And he, I think, Very I mean, I don't... to another person's space. Absolutely. And, like, we don't see him interact nicely with literally anyone except with Anna a little bit at the end. And I yeah. think it's interesting because he gets this scene that I think is supposed to feel like, um like a redemption for him a little bit where so we get some hints throughout the movie that his dad is in the military and is pretty overbearing and he tells Anna that his dad got bit and he had to kill his dad and that's really sad and I don't want to minimize that but like it doesn't excuse any of the stuff he does before that like most of the stuff that he does almost everything he does the way he treated Anna before the movie the stuff he does to John all of that is before that happened, and we don't ever... He never, like, apologizes or seems to show any awareness that what he did or how he's been acting has hurt other people. Yeah, um, and, like, even with, um... When we first find him in the, like, you know, in the post-apocalyptic setting... Right. Him and his friends are, like, enjoying all the zombie fighting. Like, they're... Right. They're basically, like, zombie hunting, and they're, like, we were made for this. Yeah. And that never really gets uh, addressed either. Like, yeah, I could not believe that he was, like, one of the ones uh, that was going to last. Personally, the whole time, I was waiting for, um, why can I not put that blonde girl's name in my head? Steph. Steph. I really thought Steph and Anna were going to be, like, a thing. I thought they had more chemistry than any of the... Male, female. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, no, that would have been interesting. Couples in the movie. (laughs) So so we should talk about the other, the other, like, main male storyline, because I They also seem to, like, kind of hate each other at the beginning, and that wasn't really explained, and so I thought by the end they were going to be like, uh, it was because I really loved you the whole time. Sure. (laughs) That, yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, so then we talked a little bit up front, uh, Anna's best friend John, who has feelings for her. Um, and he doesn't want her to go to Australia because he wants her to stay with him. Um, and that, this is another case. And I, like I said, I really like this movie a lot. I put it in my top ten for last year. Um, but I really don't love the storyline with Nick. And I really mm-hmm. don't love the storyline with John because it feels like it also doesn't really get resolved. I mean, mm-hmm. so he, his big emotional beat song-wise is singing like uh no such thing as a hollywood ending starts as his song sort Mm -hmm. of singing about how this isn't disney and the nice guy doesn't always get the girl which really plays into into this trope that uh you and i both have lived and hate where guys that are friends with women feel like they have like entitlement Mm -hmm. and this whole idea of like the friend zone that you, you know you're a really nice guy but she just sees you as a friend and that's her somehow doing you a disservice yeah or withholding something that you have a claim to um and I don't think that this movie goes that far. I'm not trying to say that this movie is 
uh, is sort of saying that John deserves Anna, but I also think it doesn't do anything to subvert this trope that is pretty yes, common. Exactly. Um, and so sort of, uh, yeah, which is kind of a turn, like, and that, like you say, is introduced within the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Right. So that to me is also kind of like a turn off right off the bat where I'm like, yeah. ugh, I don't want to sit here and watch this like same story that I'm not sure that into rehashing again and again, especially if it's not really going to be at all like shown to be inherently problematic. Yeah, and I was sort of hoping, like, in the beginning when he sings, when he sings No Such Thing as a Hollywood Ending, I was hoping they were doing that to set up that that things would get flipped somehow towards the end. But, in fact, what happens is the apocalypse is happening and John is basically like, well, the good news is at least you're not going to Australia, which just feels like a super weird and tone-deaf thing to say to her. And then she sort of uh, really uncomfortably is like, John, you're my best friend. And then he's really mopey and sad. Uh, and then uh, he dies. And I thought his death scene was really, really sad. He sacrifices him. He gets bit and then sacrifices himself to save everybody else. Yeah. Um, and I thought they had really great chemistry, like friend chemistry. They, I thought, I believed their friendship. And it was really sad. I think like her acting when he dies is super, super sad. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember in the movie when he, the first time I saw it when he And gets he killed, was the first big character to die, so it was... Yeah. yeah. And and I just felt like they really, did, for me, did not do anything interesting or resolve his storyline in a way that felt satisfying, so... Yeah, it was kind of like, um, well, he loved her, and, she, she, like, she just liked him as a friend, and then he sacrificed himself, and he died. Like, yeah. he was still the nice guy, like, even in death. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, like, I really liked his character and I thought the guy that played John was really good and very charming and Mm -hmm. whatever but yeah I do I think both of those storylines could be handled better like I love I love 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 that Anna's whole storyline is like I think that her character is great I love that she's sort of a girl who wants to do her own thing she loves her dad but she you know is Mm -hmm. mourning the loss of her mom and she wants to sort of go out and explore and find herself and I love that all her we get a lot right of her talking about sort of making offhand comments about relationships and and not wanting to sort of just like play into the bullshit expectations of what you're supposed to do as a girl in high school Um, yeah and I like all that stuff so it just makes the plots with the guys feel more disappointing yeah like to me um I think her character was set up to be like a pretty independent and be uh, pretty, like, um, emotionally secure and, like, secure in herself. Yeah. Um, So for her to kind of have, like, two different storylines of, like, guys kind of chasing her in a way and her not not really being, like, that interested in either, Mm -hmm. it was kind of like, like, why are we even doing this? Like, what? (laughs) Like... If her, like, her character's not interested in it either, like, I'm not interested in it, like, it, it, I felt like it took away from her being more of, like, a powerful, like, heroine in the movie. That That she kind of gets, like, bogged down by these, like, unnecessary, like, storylines of, like, the chase or whatever. Yeah. No, I think that's a totally fair criticism. Um, so, uh, those are all the thoughts I have on the movie. Do you have any other things that you want to throw in? 
Um, I thought that the inclusion of uh, the one guy's grandmother dying because her heart like just mm-hmm. gave out was like mm-hmm. really fucking sad and i was like why is this in here yeah that it was is a really really so depressing sad. plot story, plot line yeah. yeah so chris's grandmother and we're only goes to, to the- her like 15 minutes before that and she's like oh my god yeah and then the other one's like oh, like i should get somebody and she's like nobody could do anything doctors couldn't do anything and i'm like why is this in this this is so like that just like bummed me out. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really sad. It's hilarious too that we talked about this whole movie and we never talked about the principal character, which I think is just like one of the most, like that whole plot line. I just don't care about, and I don't. I I think like the song that he sings when yeah. he when he tries to like I I understand the necessity of having that storyline because they need I guess one last obstacle, right? And, right. and sort of he is the reason that a lot of people at the school die. But his big number, his big, like, villain number is one of the songs on the on the soundtrack that I just, like, skip every time because I'm just yeah. not super into it, was, it. I don't like it. And, I mean, I think it – I really – like, so that was something that I did have a problem with with the movie is there were parts of it like that and, like, his character and his whole storyline that I felt like somebody had the idea, wouldn't it be cool if somebody crowdsourced, like, crowd-surfed Mm-hmm. On a bunch of zombies, and that's how they died. And then they just, like, made that work somehow, you know? Sure. Like, I was just like, why do we need this? And it was, like, so weird because he was, like, so sadistic for, like, a vice principal. Yeah. Like. It felt like a character that could have very like easily not to, been in the movie. Yeah, super easily not been in it. And it was also weird that, like, people didn't people didn't seem like they were that shocked when he was, like. Making it, like, A, when he tried to kill them, they were, like, upset, but they weren't, like, they didn't seem like they were that shocked that he was, like, not, like, he just used to be a dick, but now he's, like, full-blown murderer. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's only right. been one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Hannah, how many Bloody Marys out of five would you give Anna and the Apocalypse? Okay, I don't know if you're gonna like this, but I would give it... Are we going out of four or five? Out of five. Out of five. I'll give it, like, two Bloody Marys, and there's no olive skewer in it. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Okay. I think I would give it, I'm going to say four Bloody Marys with extra pickle juice. Whoa. Yeah. yeah Whoa. Yeah. I really Whoa. like this movie a lot. I really Shocking. do. Um, we do not agree on this one. No, that's okay, though. Mm. Um... So are you ready for our uh, famous segment that I have just decided to name in Ladier News? That's like the ticker tape sounds. All right, you can still podcast with me even though we don't agree on this movie. That's so boring. I fell asleep twice. Wow. I just want to say that I feel like I was very respectful of the fact that you disagreed with me. and Yeah, in this forum, when we spoke briefly before we started i do believe you said it's okay to be wrong and i stand by that so anyway um you just want to keep it off camera so you can uh keep your your uh reputation as such a sweet blonde yeah just keep that reputation sparkling um so 
we this episode is going to be released later than we're recording it. So as you're listening to this, it's probably uh, the end of December, but we're recording on December 9th, which is the day that the Golden Globe nominations came out. Uh, and so the piece of ladier news that I have for you comes from Variety. And it is that the director of Honey Boy, Alma Harrell, has an idea for how to revamp the Golden Globes voting selection process. Her proposal to create a gendered category as a way to reach parity comes after the news that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association failed to nominate a single female director or screenwriter for a Golden Globe. So and what Golden she, Globes, they do a lot, right? Because they do, they do so many categories. So many categories. And in each category, there's like five or six. Yeah. Um, and so I think her, her thinking, which is, they didn't is, do best picture either, did they? I, I don't know. Um, let's see. So this says her quote says, unless we have a new category for women directors, the same way that we have separate actor and actress categories, we will not see any changes. And then it says that the, the golden globes have been around for 77 years. And that in that entire time, only five female directors have been nominated. What? Um, and Whoa. only one has ever won the prize. Woof. Who was that? So, Catherine Bigelow or? No, Greta it was Gerwig? Barbara Streisand for Yentl in 1984. Holy fuck. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's the last time? Yes. That's the only time a woman has won uh, for Best Director. The five directors who have been nominated were Barbara Streisand, Jane Campion, Sofia Coppola, Catherine Bigelow, and Ava DuVernay. Oh, so Greta Gerwig didn't even get a nom for Lady Bird? Not in the Golden Globes. Whoa. Wow. So, uh, I think this is really You're interesting. You're first, people. Golden Globes hates women. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's a sort of an interesting idea because, like, that is a thing that should not have to exist. Mm-hmm. But, I, th- I mean, like, I, I love that she's saying that because I think it would be interesting... I mean, I, I also don't uh, I like the idea that you're yeah. going to say that, like, women's can't be considered in the same category as men, but also c- currently they're not being considered, so. Yeah, but I also think that it does sort of kind of then, you know, then it kind of, but that does kind of get messy, because then it's like, they don't nominate a lot of, like, minority actors either, but we're not going to, like, create a category for, like. Best non-white actor. Yeah, like, that's right. just, like. So in general, Hollywood <laughs> just needs to do better. Also, America and mankind just need to do better in general. Everyone, please. It just seems like we have the same kind of thing year after year. And it's like you, I always, like, when I hear stuff like this, I'm just like, where is the one person who works in PR who's like, guys, we get problems for this every year. Golden Globes has been having like, aggressively lower and lower views over the last, like, five or six years. It's like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you think, like, why wouldn't just one person be like, let's let's try it a little different? <laughs> right. Well, I think part of the problem is, like, there's not, there's not enough pressure on them to change. I mean, it's true that people call them out, but I think as long as the Hollywood establishment continues to like value the Oscars and the Golden Globes and show up and accept their awards, like, they don't have a lot of incentive to do anything differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? The audience isn't really showing up. Like That's true. That's Golden definitely Globes true. Golden Globes got like I think their worst their worst numbers in like 10 or 15 years last year. 
And they've so. and both the Golden Globes and the Oscars have been having a hard time getting hosts recently, right? Because of these same issues. Yeah. Or well, I think that thing with the hosts and the Oscars is a little different, but that wasn't so much to do with numbers as much as it was to do with the way that they reacted to the Kevin Hart situation. Oh, right. I forgot that's what the, that was about. Yeah. Who boy. Well, everyone just it's do better, please. It's almost as if these awards are more or less meaningless. <laughs> it's and crazy. Maybe what we need to learn from the number of years that we're all disappointed by like how much the same the nominations are is really to teach all of us that we need to stop giving them the platform to like exist that way right and, like if we're not going to get through the people who are running them maybe that's the next step yeah the real golden globes are the friends we made along the way you know <laughs> <laughs> also personally i just think that the fact that the people who the people who produce and edit and star in the Real Housewives franchises never get any noms for any types of Emmys or anything or Golden Globes. And I think that that is a crime because I think that's some of the best television and some of the best, like, roles for women that exist in this, our golden age of television. Wow. Um, on that hot take, Hannah, why don't you tell our listeners what their homework is for next week? Um, okay, so we're going to do, like, a, I don't know, I'm going to be fair to say a retrospective. Yeah, on, we're doing a um, very special Christmas episode. Yes. Uh, so we're going to do Black Christmas in all of its, uh, uh... Iterations. Iterations, I suppose. But, so I forget, are we, we're definitely doing the original... And the mm-hmm. most recent remake that's coming out this Friday the 13th. Correct. Although when this episode um, when this airs, episode it will already be already out. It. Yeah. Um, and we're going to dip into the one from 2007. Just a smidge. But we're not going to say they're smidge. long because it's really depressing. But for everyone's sake, you know, I love homework. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't really want to have to put... Anyone who does us the honor of listening to this, the dishonor of forcing them to watch that movie. Yeah, please don't watch the 2006 episode or uh, movie. We'll tell you about it, but you just skip it. So your homework is to watch the original 1974 and then go out and see the 2019 version. Because um, for those of you that don't know or haven't really been paying attention, the 2019 version uh, comes from Sophia Tacall and April Wolf, who are both super badass women who do awesome horror stuff. Um, and we want to support them because they're great. So please go see the new Black Christmas. Uh, it looks amazing, and I can't wait. Yeah, and Sophia, I'm guessing, hasn't watched a trailer for it? I have not watched a single trailer. I was going to say, it looks like they're doing some pretty interesting gender stuff, too. So I'm, I'm very I'm excited. excited about it. Some <gasps> people have spoiled a little bit of stuff about trailers, but I think I'm going to still be going in mostly blind. So also it's got Florence Pugh, who I just think is amazing, so... Nope, not nope. Florence Pugh. Imogene Poots. Imogene Poots. <laughs> Their names are not the same at all, but, uh, but pew, pew, aren't pew. they though, kind of in a weird way? <laughs> aren't they the same name in a in a roundabout fashion? In a way, their oddness makes them so similar. Um, I had an amazing idea for how to end this podcast from now on. So everyone, we want to thank you for listening. We want you to brace yourselves. 
for Our Majesty. And on that note, clink! <laughs> we'll see you guys next week at brunch.